You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. It's 11.01 Central Time, 12.01 Eastern Time. We now bring you pro-life activism from creation to death with Jim Sedlak. Hello and welcome to pro-life activism from creation to death. This is the program that is intended for all of those who want to build a culture of life in the United States. Uh, on the show, we, we bring you up-to-date information on what's going on in the pro-life world. And on many occasions, we have guests on the show to fill in details on some of the important things that are going on. And we have such a guest today. Uh, we'll get to her in just a little while. But before we do that, we want to begin our program the way we always begin our program. And that is by asking you to say a Hail Mary together with me. To ask the Blessed Mother to extend God's graces on today's program so that through the program and through the discussion on the program, she will get the message or we will get the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea whenever you're starting a new activity during the day to call on the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on what you're about to do. And that's why we begin every program with the Hail Mary. Okay, as I mentioned, we have uh, an exciting guest on our show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about a topic that we, we talk about frequently here, and that is the offensive sex indoctrination programs that are being thrust on our young people in schools all across the nation. Uh, you, if you remember my mentioning it back in 1986, Planned Parenthood Federation of America announced a goal of having mandatory K through 12 sex education in every school district in the nation. Uh, they have, are not even near achieving that goal yet, but they're still working on it and they're still developing new and horrible ways to get at our children. And uh, my guest today is Beverly Kilmer, who is going to talk about a fight against Planned Parenthood in the state of Florida and, and other states, but primarily right now in the state of Florida. Uh, Bev Kilmer is the CEO of Freedom Speaks Coalition, and the Freedom Speaks Coalition established a task force, and the task force's name is Safe Ed K-12, okay, and, and it's addressing the, the need to rid our schools of the offensive and dangerous sex education programs and similar programs that are being thrust on us, and uh, Bev will be going into a lot of detail on that. Uh, just to give you a little of her background as to, as to uh, her, her credentials, if you will. Um, Bev is a former three-term elected member of the Florida House of Representatives. Uh, and during her six years in the House, she served in leadership positions on numerous educational committees that oversaw uh, school programs, so kindergarten through college. Um, and so she, during those years, she found out a lot about what's going on in the schools and is now leading this task force that I was honored to join. So uh, without any further ado, Bev, welcome to our program. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate you inviting me to come and speak about the work that we're doing and the importance of actually being an action-driven organization 
laser focused, if you will, on making sure that we reach our ultimate goal, which is getting the offensive, inappropriate, and most importantly, illegal sex ed out of the classroom, as well as the providers that are putting it in there. Well, absolutely. And uh, you know, maybe you could just give us a little bit of information on how you found out that these programs were in the schools in the first place. Well, I had been out of the legislature since 2004 and had a period of about eight years that I was totally out of pocket. I had some family illnesses that eventually turned into the loss of my loved ones. And so I wasn't aware of the things that were taking place as they were taking place. And that was during the Obama era. And I'm not saying that sex ed wasn't already in the classrooms. It was. But it took on a whole new meeting during the Obama years because he actually appointed a man named uh, Kevin Jennings to head up the safe and healthy. And that always cracks me up that they always call these sex ed programs safe and healthy. And he was the health and safety czar. And his only goal was to put the LGBTQ and gender ideology into the classroom beginning in kindergarten, going all the way through high school and graduation. So um, after, I guess it was about 2013, when I started getting back into the groove and learned about what was actually going on. And I learned it because I moved, I'd moved away when my husband was sick and then moved back. And I saw that Common Core had been implemented here in Florida, and that was the first time I'd heard about it. I started looking at Common Core, and it did not take me very long to actually get slapped in the face, if you will, with this atrocious LGBTQ and ever-ready sex. They teach our children that they are sexual beings from birth, much like the Kinsey Report and Alfred Kinsey back in the day. And that's dating me, but the reality is I am dated. But it basically they are following the same guidelines, and it just broke my heart that these children that are especially in grade school they're trying to learn to read and write, learn how to interact with other children, and all of the, what I call the foundation building years, which are kindergarten through fifth grade. That's where they build their most solid foundation for learning. And that's when they're inundated probably the most in all of this sex-driven ideology and activity. It, it really blows one's mind. I was not prepared for what I learned. Well, yeah, it's a, I mean, understanding you having been away a while and then come back, it, it is a real shocker as to the kinds of things that they try to foist on our children and, and especially the, the younger grades. Um, and, and they ignore the, the sexual latency period, uh, which, you know, occurs, as you know, from about the age of, of six until puberty when we're not even supposed to be talking to kids about sex at that time because it, it hinders a lot of other of their, their learning abilities. Absolutely. And one of the things that I learned very quickly is that when children are being forced to address 
and think about and deal with this sexual identity that is being forced on them. And I'm not talking about the LGBT identity. I mean the very fact that they are learning that about their body. They're teaching them about uh, very intimate ways of touching themselves and doing things that is so inappropriate, and it totally messes up their way of handling the sex ed, or not handling sex ed, excuse me. It totally interferes with their ability to learn the ABCs, the reading, writing, arithmetic, if you will, the three R's, and stay focused on building their immediate foundation. They're, they're so confused with this ideology issue and the fact that they don't know anything about the sexual aspects of their bodies and everything, and that's for a good reason. They're not supposed to focus on the sexuality of their body at that age. They're not, they're not equipped. Well, absolutely, and, and I know that uh, in, in the information that you presented to, to the task force, um, part of this is seen by, by the uh, uh, inability of, of many of the uh, high school graduates in, in Florida. And I don't want to pick on Florida because it's other, uh, other places also. But they may graduate from high school, but they may not be able to read their diploma. And that is one of the saddest things about the direction education has gone. And while we're dealing with and doing everything we can to have the sex ed pulled out of the schools, this isn't the only area that is lacking with the children. They're being forced to deal with racial, social, and um, all of the injustices that are being thrown at them at the same time. And now Black Lives Matters, and I don't want to keep throwing names. I hope I'm not. Um, that's not against your standards here. But the Black Lives Matters has a program called Black Lives Matters in school that they go in kindergarten and start teaching from elementary up how they basically about white supremacy and that you need to denounce it early on. There again, they're the sex ed, the social issues that they're being forced to contend with. They don't even know what white supremacy is or any of the the aspects of the social lifestyles and the challenges that the country faces now. They need to totally, absolutely focus on academic education. And it's just not happening. So it is no wonder that 60 to 70 percent of third and fourth graders cannot read on grade level. And it actually is very close to that once they get into middle school. And to be honest, that's where we mo- we lose a lot of our children is when they move into middle school, which becomes a much harder way of educating children and, and them being able to, I mean, they're giving them the hard, hard things now. They're really getting into areas that cause children to stumble and fall if they don't have a strong foundation. And if they can't read, they, they can't move forward, and eventually they end up giving up. Well, absolutely. And and just to, to uh, assuage any concerns you have, um, on this program we tell the truth, we name names, 
Um, we, we're not shy about it. You know, we, we make sure that our facts are right. But uh, if we have to talk about Planned Parenthood or advocates for youth or Black Lives Matter or anybody who is out there, uh, especially uh, attacking our children, uh, we talk about it. And, um, and so, so just feel free to, to uh, uh, you know, give us the facts because that's what our listeners need. Our listeners need the, the facts so that they can then uh, maybe do something in their own communities. Good, because I am not good at candy coating things when it comes to protecting our children. I think you've figured that out by now. Uh, everything that we do here at Safe FK12 and Freedom Speaks Coalition is based on protecting our children. What adults do when they get grown and make their own decisions, I, I couldn't care less. But when those same adults or any other adult come into our classrooms, then I really have an issue. So I, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to talk about what we're doing and our approach to stopping this travesty against the children. Well, we're, we're going to get into all of that in, in just a few minutes. But there is one point that I think you've been making um, during the course of the task force meetings that I've, I've attended uh, virtually um, is the fact that, that the programs that they're putting in are really making the kids feel, and, and you can correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but making the kids feel that they're inferior if they're not part of the LGBTQ community. That that the, for somehow things have been changed around and that you know the, the LGBTQ people are the superstars and everybody else is, is nothing. Unfortunately, that is the case. And it has gotten worse as each year goes by. The um, LGBT community the, in Florida is Equality Florida, but there's an Equality Pennsylvania in every other state. So uh, the Equality Florida Human Rights Campaign with their welcoming schools and they and Planned Parenthood advocates for youth. Because, I mean, the list goes on and on. And there are about 18 to 20 actual what I call predators that prey on our children. It's all about money and power and they an ulterior motive because, and, and I'm going to, I hope I'm not skipping forward too much here, but when we talk about how they're bringing children in, they are establishing what's called GSA clubs, which are gay, lesbian, or I'm sorry, gay sexuality clubs or gay, what is it, gay straight alliances. And these organizations were designed with the with nine of the Black Panthers' original policy guidelines. And they updated a little bit by using words like, we demand uh, an end to white supremacy. They also say that we will or want to break up the patriarch family, the cisgender patriarch families and things like that, which is telling you that they are more of a militant-driven organization, not an organization to make gay students feel more accepted, which is the way that it is posed to get sympathy, empathy, and to give them a good argument to use when they're battled in court, the ACLU represents all of the GSA clubs and their organizations, and they actually 
come, a lot of the schools, and I apologize for continuing to say they when your audience may not know exactly who I'm talking about, but the schools will actually come over the intercom and announce the date and time. In other words, a reminder to all of the students that there's going to be a GSA club in so many minutes or in the next hour in room such and such. And it just horrifies me that they put so much emphasis on pushing that club that does nothing but try to, one, destroy the child's opinion and uh, identity of who they think they are. They start by tearing down what the child believes and who they believe they are. And then they start giving them options. And so they promote that throughout many, many schools here in Florida and across the nation. They have what's called uh, safe school zone or safe zone. And they will have stickers on the classroom door stating this is a safe zone for LGBTQ or we support your LGBTQ or we support your identity, those kind of things. And it's really heartbreaking that schools are pushing it to be basically the club to join. It becomes the, you know, how kids, girls, let's use girls, used to all want to go out for cheerleading. And if you didn't make the cheerleading team, you were crushed. Well, now the GSA clubs are kind of taking on that new momentum. If you're not part of this, then you are homophobic and, and you don't really belong. And they kind of ostracize people who say, no, I'm just not interested. I got a call yesterday from a mother um, actually in Tallahassee. I'm not going to obviously use any names here, but she was very distraught. Her 13-year-old daughter has been going through dysphoric issues and thinking that she is in the wrong body. She doesn't, at this point, want to change her body. She was going in that direction, but her mom actually sat her down and made her listen to what happens to your body when you get on hormone therapy and the things that it does. Because the reality is you can get on hormone therapy and everything, but your heart is always going to be, if you're a girl, your heart is always going to have DNA of a girl. You're always going to have the lungs. All of your organs have specific DNA that is uh, ingrained as whatever sex you were born as. And no amount of therapy can ever change that. It can cover it up and make your body respond a certain way, but that response tears down those organs that are in your body. We had a law last year that we uh, tried to get passed to prevent a minor from having any kind of therapy until they, well, as long as they were a minor, to prohibit minors from going through their uh, drug therapy, hormone therapy, uh, any kind of indoctrination that is done by a professional counselor, um, clinics and everything. But one thing that's extremely upsetting also is that schools are having more and more clinics, not just having a nurse in the schools, but they are setting up actual clinics that are doctor overseen. So they can give medications, they can diagnose uh, certain things, they can give a child that thinks they're dysphoric 
a referral to go to a doctor therapist without their parents' knowledge. They can actually prescribe the therapy drug to the child without the parents' knowledge. That, I think, is one of the greatest threats that our children are facing now is parental rights are being taken away at such lightning speed you can't even keep up with all of the directions these groups are coming at. And that's why our organization has decided to fight this legally and we're not doing broad band um, lawsuits against everybody all at one time and, and hoping that something will hit. We have, again, I'm going to use our term, which is laser focused, and I like that because that is who we are. Um, we are laser focused on just the laws that affect these children and the statutes that are being broken by the obscenity and the pornography and the interference in parents' rights, and they are actually breaking the Constitution, uh, Article, I guess, 18, 1814. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but it's the code that actually gives the right, and it's under the First Amendment, it gives the right to children to be educated without embarrassment being placed in embarrassing or disparagement situations and some of the pornography and you've seen some of it as we've done our work some of the pictures and the drawings and the positions they show uh people in and the men and the and men together and the whole thing is very much against the law so we are going after every single one of these individually as a law that is being broken in this specific way. And also what we're hoping is to be able to get the providers on the transmission of pornography by sending their materials through the Internet and uh, actual book material that is being sent to teachers. Anyone that has their thumbprint on what is being done to our children in the classroom that's not academic and it is sexual, we are going to go after them. Well, I, you know, it's absolutely fantastic, uh, the approach you're taking. Um, just to inform my, my audience, uh, the basic law that Bev is talking about uh, is called the U.S. Code Title 18, Part 1, Chapter 71. Um, and what it says is it defines obscene, and prohibits uh, define what is obscene, and then prohibits the distribution to children. and And here's a quote from from that code of the law. It says, "You cannot distribute to children a visual depiction of any kind, including a drawing, cartoon, sculpture, or painting that depicts a minor engaging in sexually explicit conduct." End quote. So what they're saying is, and, and anybody who is familiar at all with some of the books and some of the material handing out to kids with, with drawings, you know, they say, well, they're not pictures, they're just drawings. Well, the law says a drawing is just as offensive and is prohibited from, from being distributed to kids on, you know, how, how to engage in sex by themselves or how to engage in sex with others. I mean, some of these drawings get very, very explicit. Um, and they're against the law. And that's that's the unique thing about the task force that you're running, Bev, that I have not seen anywhere else. I mean, I've been involved in a lot of groups, a lot of fights against sex education in the schools, 
but yours was the first group that started talking about this from a legal perspective. And, and that's what piqued my interest and why I've been spending the time to, with you and in this task force to learn about this approach so that we can use it elsewhere. And I know you're even looking to use it elsewhere, but it's not just the federal laws. You found a lot of Florida state laws that, that prohibit a lot of this activity. Yes, absolutely. And before I go any further, I want to let you know just how much your interaction, you're working with us and contributing so much to the report that we put together as well as the advice and um, support that you've given us has meant so much and empowered us to move forward and think in ways we may not have thought of yet. <laughs> but I can't take credit for having come up with this specific idea because as I told all of you in one of our meetings, I woke up one morning, headed out to get a cup of coffee, and just as I rounded the hallway to get to the kitchen, it was I heard a voice that simply said, fight this legally. Why aren't we fighting this legally? And that really just kept running through my mind, and I thought, Ka-ching. <laughs> Why not? Because you can fight a moral battle to the end of our day when Jesus Christ comes back and you're not going to win it because there's always subjective. One person's morals is another person's faith or whatever they claim. And so we needed something that would allow us to actually move the barometer. And you can't fight legal. I mean, black and white is black and white. That's why we have things up in the Supreme Court right now being heard is because the laws are black and white and they can't get us off track by beating us up using words like hate and all of the phobias they think they own. They just don't wash. So we're very excited about going this direction. And one of the things that we're hoping is going to be a catalyst for us. And if it's not, that's okay, because all of these others are going to hold up. But the Commissioner of Education, according to Florida Statute 100634, says that under the powers and duties of the commissioner is a directive that any in, he's responsible for adopting instructional materials. And the directive is any instructional material containing pornography or anything otherwise prohibited by statute 847.012 may not be used or made available within any public school. That's pretty black and white to me. It lands on his shoulders. He has the ability to do an executive order that states that gives a directive to the school district to remove the sex ed courses what I told him to do is, or suggested, I'm sorry, you can't order him around anybody else in office, but what we um, asked him to do is to simply send a letter requesting or directing the school district to remove all sex education until further notice while the agency is evaluating the legalities of the courses that are being taught in the state of Florida. That gives him an out. It keeps uh, the AF ACLU at bay. They can't sue because he's doing a review of the legalities of what is actually being taught. So it's a win-win for him if he would look at it that way. 
and I am just hoping that he will. He is, I believe, a Christian man. He's a family man. He has six children, and I believe that his heart wants to stop this. I am a little afraid, and I will say it, that uh, politics is going to get in the way. I don't know what his, he's very young still, so I don't know what his future political ambitions are. I do know that he does want to continue a political career, so I kind of believe we may be in a bit of an issue there. But we have everything else going for us, and we have the um, Liberty Council working with us. We've got Family Poli- Florida Family Policy Council, which is another legal firm. We also have uh, talked and they've agreed to work with us as uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. And we've got a new attorney that has come on board with us. His name is Don Conwell out of Tampa, Florida. And this is a very important issue to him. So he's wanting to jump in and help us. And I think he's going to help us in making sure all of these statutes that we have identified are addressed in a legal format for challenging in court if need be. Well, that, that's great. That I didn't, not uh, a long answer. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, it's occurred to me we haven't yet given out uh, your uh, uh, website uh, information, how people can go and find out uh, all about what's going on here and, and uh, read the report that you generated and, and even look at the uh, the PowerPoint presentation that you generated. So would you give the, the audience information on how they can get, go and, and look at what you're doing and, and your website and any other contact information? Yes. We are located at Safe Ed K-12. That's S-A-F-E-E-D-K-12.com. And when you go to the website, under the, the where the menu is, if you scroll to news and resources, you'll find information including the report that Jim just mentioned and the one that we have turned over to the Department of Education Commissioner. And we've also sent a copy of that report to all of the school district superintendents in the state of Florida. And because of COVID and the shutdown and then trying to get the schools back opened up, we have not heard from any of them. And I expected that because the COVID is a very serious issue. Parents are scared. Teachers are scared. And, you know, there's just a lot going on. So we are giving them to the first of the year for us to push the buttons on this. Um that's where you can find the information about what is going on. We're in the process of uploading a lot of articles right now. They should be up by the end of next week, as well as the ones that you'll find now. And um, I actually have a book that I put together of our report and additional information going more uh, into the transgender aspect as opposed to just sex ed and anyone that would like to make a donation to our organization i'll send them a copy they can download it or i will send an actual copy of it so that would be very helpful for our work coming in the first of the year fantastic uh and i know i 
just to give uh, people a little understanding of what you've been doing, you, you held the, the task force, uh, you reviewed, you know, uh, dozens and dozens of, of, of programs uh, from around Florida, you know, have documented the, the problems with them, have put this all together in a report, et cetera. But then you, you did a, a, a speaking tour of such um, around Florida. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, how that speaking tour went. We have been, we did a month-long tour of the state of Florida after we completed our report. We met with teachers, we met with school boards, uh, we met with groups of pastors, we met with different Hispanic groups, as well as Catholic organizations, family uh, pro-life groups. We have a meeting coming up January 5th in South Florida. Where that is being put on by the Broward Right to Life organization. And we're trying to get as much information in the hands of people as well as have them see the PowerPoint and just how horrific it is what is being done to our children. What we did, just so other states that may be listening would know, is we took the Family Watch International. Um, reports that they did, they broke down all of the sex education programs and identified 15 harmful elements, things that they felt were very detrimental to children. And then they showed where they were in, they identified the pages and actually did a verbiage on the report on each one showing how it's harmful and what page it is and everything. And we took that report to the next level. And what we did is took each of those 15 harmful elements and matched them against Florida laws that would make them illegal in the state of Florida. And most of the time, if they're illegal in the state of Florida, they're going to be illegal in a lot of the other states. And to, and what we did with that is put it in the report, did a summary of it, and uh, backup material. We also are going on the road in January across the country, setting up additional state K-12 task force in different states. We've already got Georgia. We've got South Carolina. We have people that are interested that I'm going to be meeting with in uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, North Carolina, Louisiana, and Mississippi. So the southern part, as well as we are also working with a group in Minnesota, I just don't know how much good that is going to do with the laws they have because theirs are not as strict, and they have governors that are encouraging this LGBTQ movement. Okay. So that's uh, where we're at. <laughs> okay, super. Now, is there a uh, an email address or something that people can, if they want to get in touch with you personally, that you can give out? Yes, I can be reached personally at Bev, B-E-V, at SafeEd, S-A-F-E-E-D, K-12.com. And my phone number, and you'll get me directly, is 850-933-6476. This is an issue that is important to all of us, whether we are black, white, Hispanic, uh, whatever race we may be or whatever 
political party. Our children are our children, but more importantly, they're God's children and they deserve to be protected. And that's our driving force is making sure our children are protected. Well, that is fantastic. And Beverly, I I thank you so much for taking the time to to be on the show today and to uh, talk to to my audience. And you have a minute if you you want to have any last uh, thing you want to say to the audience. I wrote a book several years ago called Kicking Butt, B-U-T, not B-U-T-T, B-U-T. And it's all about stop postponing, making excuses why you're not getting involved. Our country is in such a state that we can no longer sit back and make excuses. There's no but in that qualify us to sit back anymore. So I would ask all of you, for the sake of your children, those next door to you, your family, whatever, think about the fact that these are God's children. They are precious to him, which makes them precious to us. So get involved. Call me at 850-933-6476 or go to our website and learn more. And if you are driven to donate, that will help us tremendously. If not, use the information that's on our website so that you can get involved. Our country's reached the point we can no longer sit back. Our values, our core existence as a free nation to make our own decisions on raising our children is at stake. And we need to act and protect our children. And I want to thank you, Jim, for inviting me on and allowing me to talk about the work that we're doing and the goals that we have to not only free Florida of this atrocious attack on our children's innocence and childhood, but also taking it forward across other states in the country this coming year. Thank you so much for being a part of our organization as well. Well, it has been a real pleasure, Beverly, and uh, I'm just so happy you came on and and shared all of this information. And, of course, we will have you back on in the future, and uh, I'll see you you virtually at the next uh, task force meeting. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay, that that was uh, Beverly Kilmer uh, from the Safe Ed K-12 Task Force fighting against, uh, you heard all the things that are going on in, in our schools today. Um, the the sex education battle that's been around for decades, but is is uh, as, as she described, um, is growing more and more and getting into transgender issues and getting into um, the homosexual community issues where um, unbeknownst to parents, our schools are being turned into um, just just uh, advertisements for for the homosexual uh, industry. and it is an industry. Um, so we're we're so happy that she was able to come on the show today. She's very very busy and, and doing a lot of traveling, and as you heard, is is putting in place um, efforts to expand what she's doing beyond the state of Florida. Uh, it has been interesting working with her, and I will continue to work with her on her task force because it, it's you know it just accomplishes a lot and documents a lot. And everything they do is very well documented, and I love to work with people who don't just throw out ideas or what they think. They actually go in and they document, they examine the programs, they say this breaks the law, that breaks the law, and then put it all together and go to the people responsible for enforcing the law and say, hey, why don't you enforce your laws? And so that's that's what's going on now. And uh, it's, it's always a, a long process, especially when you're dealing with the schools. But in the end, it's going to turn out to be something that is very, very worthwhile. 
just uh, wrap up the show. We, we, we only have a, a couple of minutes left here uh, for, the, for the show. Um, I want to remind everybody that tomorrow is the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay. Um, the patroness of the Americas, the patroness of the pro-life movement. Uh, so tomorrow is a day to spend some time in prayer um, to, to our Blessed Mother, Mary, um, and uh, to uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe specifically on the, uh, the pro-life matters uh, because the, uh, the, the, it's necessary. All right? We need to get Mary involved, and we need to, to not be afraid to go to Mary. Um, in, in doing work uh, this week on a number of things, I actually came across uh, what is considered to be the first prayer to the Virgin Mary that, uh, that they have found. This was found in a Greek papyrus uh, document um, that is dated to, to about the year 300, all right? Um, so so uh, very old, and it was, it's a short prayer, but I would like to, to, to finish out our program today. Um, by reading you that, that short prayer. Um, and, and the prayer simply is this. It says, we turn to you for protection, Holy Mother of God. Listen to our prayers and help us in our needs. Save us from every danger, glorious and blessed Virgin. A simple prayer right, that's been around since the year 300. Right, a prayer to Mary. Uh, let's, let's remember that prayer as we go through tomorrow's Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, I thank you all for listening today. Uh, and we end our show by asking our Blessed Mother, Mother Mary, spread the effect of love, of thy, the effect of life of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>